Hello, and welcome to Maintainers Anonymous. This is your guest, Jordan Scales. Henry graciously allowed me to do the introduction. This is a podcast about software maintenance and anonymization. Henry, I don't know if that's correct. That's a funny one, actually. Off to you. I guess that's one way of putting it, but it was more trying to think about software maintenance and how it relates to other kinds of maintenance. Interesting. The anonymous part is just a pun or a play on words on Alcoholics Anonymous, but... Yeah. Okay, interesting. <laughs> sure. This is like a support group for maintainers. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. This is a good intro. Um, segue. You are sort of a maintainer now because of this project that you just released a few weeks ago, right? Or really recently. Yeah, two weeks ago. So I released a thing called 98.css. It is a quote-unquote design system. Uh, it's a single CSS file. So it is somewhat unfair of me to call it a design system, but that's what I call it. For making applications that look like Windows 98 is essentially the the tagline. It is a celebration, if you will, of retro computing. I was born in the early 90s, so I grew up playing games on Windows 98. Mm -hmm. And my first, really, like my first time on the computer was Windows 98, you know, like when I was a wee little one and then doing typing class in in elementary school and all that sort of thing all happened windows 98 so i i know the buttons the colors the shadows the text very well and there's a bit of nostalgia that just just hits me when i see it and this is an idea that's been floating around for a really long time i'm not the first one to do this i guess first off i should qualify that there is a 95.css and there's also a Goodness, I'm forgetting the name. I think it might literally be called Windows98.css by Contra. It's the guy that made Gulp all Mm. those years ago. And yeah, but one thing, and you know, I'm starting to rant a little, but one one thing that always tripped me up was it was like kind of close, but never exact. And in my career, I am a I'm a software developer at Stripe. I write mostly front-end code. So I I interact with designs all, all the time, component libraries. And prior to that, I used to work at, at Khan Academy and Medium. And at all those places, sort of one thing that I've, in my career, been really obsessed with is Pixel Perfect. So when a designer gives me something, I want to make it look like the designer wants it. Uh, sometimes it's a bad idea. Sometimes the designer gives me things that are not good and don't work, don't scale well across different browser resolutions and all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes I spend more than I should making it pixel perfect when in reality you should be rethink the approach. I've gotten better at that. But nevertheless, uh, pixel perfect is sort of a creative exercise for me. And the beyond nostalgia, the other driving force for this sort of project is making a pixel perfect representation of what Windows 98 looks like. So, you know, this was an exercise in firing up a VM, installing Visual Basic 4, making a UI with buttons, text boxes, scroll bars, and taking screenshots and measuring it and bringing that in paint, not just the colors, but also the spacing between various UI elements. Uh, Very long way of me saying that all these libraries did one thing that really bothered me, which was Windows 98 buttons have this shadow. They kind of look like chiseled stone. And the light sort of comes from the top left. So the left Mm. side has a shade of gray. The top has a slightly different shade of gray. And the right and the bottom have slightly different shades of gray. And a lot of people do this with border left color, border top color, border right color, border bottom color. What happens when you do that is you get 45 degree angles Mm. on the button. 
Now, Windows 98 didn't have 45 degree angles because it was literally a pixel. So if you actually take a screenshot and you actually zoom in, you notice like it's a little staircase pattern that has an outer border and an inset border. And no library. I, I, I don't want to say no. The popular ones that came before or whatever didn't do this. And it always bothered me because it looks like it's like so close, right? Like you see a picture like, whoa, it's Windows 98. This guy made like Minesweeper. But you have, you know, 100 buttons because each mine, you know, is 10 by 10 grid. Uh, yeah. Has these shadows that aren't right. And it's like, oh, my God. So that always bothered me as a sort of academic exercise. Maybe about two years ago, I made a code pen uh, that used border top color as well as a box shadow to get the, the pixel perfect staircase look. It was really fun. I mean, I literally spent like it was probably two hours of me in CodePen building something that as a result was probably 200 pixels by 40 pixels tall, <laughs> which is like a lot, right? Like if you do the, the time per pixel output is not very high and interesting measure of efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pixels per minute. And it was super fun. Right. And that, that idea kind of stuck with me as, you know, can I make a thing out of this? I don't want to say I've been working on it for two years. That's an absolute lie. I've been working on this thing for maybe two weeks or three weeks now because I actually sat down to do it as sort of a little side project and had an absolute blast. I think primary driving force, like I said, it's nostalgia. It's also a creative exercise in being pixel perfect. Both of those things like sort of put a smile on my face. Like you load up the site and it's just like funny in a way. And that's, I don't know, a lot of people that are listening to this probably don't know who I am, but I... I do funny things on Twitter. Like I like making people laugh. I like pe- making people smile. You make me laugh. Thank you. We may talk about the the Guy Fieri thing later. Good foreshadowing. Yeah. Right, right. I wrote a blog post uh, that suggests that there's a picture of Guy Fieri within Babel source code that went. Just a lot uh, of satire before, right? Like, honestly. yeah, I, I'm super into the satire game. It is sort of a shtick that is. Uh, I would literally say it is stolen from Jen Schiffer. I was mm. very, yeah. very into Jen Schiffer's old writing when I was in college. She had. Oh, goodness. I, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the collection. Something.css. But anyway, Medium Collection, her and, and her colleague at the time when she was at MBA used to write these very funny Medium posts that were so funny. And I sort of wanted to do that really bad. And, you know, because I'm a man, I just sort of copy someone else's work, slap my name on it, and that's it. And that's how it unfortunately, uh, unfortunately works. Yeah, I mean, we could talk later when we, when we talk about satire and all this. I have many feels about why I don't really do it that much anymore, you know, mm. some of that stuff. But you kind of changed, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so this this library is is sort of fun. It's it's funny, makes you smile. It's not serious. No critical infrastructure depends on it. So like I kind of just do whatever I want. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Well, I might want to get into that. So. Okay. <laughs> oh um, God. Yeah, you're gonna make me terrified. Well, yeah, I don't want to scare you, but it is interesting to see. Like actually a few people have asked me about that recently. Like, you know, they do their project. It, they're kind of maybe it's not even open source, and so now they want to see if they want to make it open source. But they they hear all the you know, horror stories of maintenance, and they're like, you know, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, it's hard. My my sort of degree of maintenance so far has been uh, kind of twofold. People come in and they file an issue that's like, hey, well, I don't I don't want to say how many categories. A couple people write in like, haha, wouldn't it be cool if you did like osx.css? Uh, like okay. that's a whole different scope <laughs> sh- uh, yeah why did you file this issue i don't you know right. but sure sounds good close that one say out of scope right other people write in and say um 
you know, hey, you're missing uh, drop downs. Because mm, I'm like, sweet, yeah, sounds good. Let's put a label on that bad boy. Mm. Other people write in and say, probably the most fascinating one, and this is one maybe I'll spend a little bit of time on is. I'm finding so this 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 library put this on a Twitter kind of got some traction put on Hacker News got some traction um, which I don't like but the Hacker News comments were really good this time around which was very nice a lot of people you know kind of fits into the old cranky style of like oh everything was better back then which is part of the library so a lot of people are like oh I feel so much nostalgia because the modern web the flat design sucks right mm-hmm. so anyway I tracked a lot of old beards that. Um, are super into this stuff. And like one guy that filed a bunch of issues ran a, he runs a site that talks about old GUIs mm. and it has screenshots of these, of these old GUIs and it has like OS two windows NT windows 98, windows 95, windows three, windows three fascinating stuff. And he has given me these detailed issues that are like, Oh, just so you know, the, the window text, when you have this type in the title bar is off by these pixels. Here's a ba- uh, before and after screenshot. And I'm like, wow. oh my God, I had no idea there were other people that, that cared, cared that. about this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And those are fascinating to me. I go in and fix them. It is sort of interesting because I fix it and I like feel good, but no one really notices, you know, because it's kind of pixel. Right. I was actually going to see about that. Like, there's no, I mean, this is all open source stuff. There's no change log. It would be good. I mean, you can obviously update it on the website so people see like new features, but then most people see it once, they'll be like, oh, that was cool, and then buy, but not like actually use it, right? Right, 100%. Uh, you can go on the used buy on GitHub and see a couple people are making like games or personal websites mm-hmm. with it. And they don't really care if like the button changes. shadow color changes, right? It's not going to like affect them. Right. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is I do get these PRs. And so sort of, I'll splinter this one out as well. I'll get these PRs that are like, hey, I added a tab menu or a tab panel, right? A list of tabs, which the web platform does not provide. Uh, You have to build it yourself. And they'll do it like in CSS because it's a CSS library. There's no JavaScript. However, you can't do it with CSS. Um, I mean, like you can, but you got to use like checkboxes and after tags. And there's no ARIA labels on it. It's not accessible. You can't use it with a keyboard. Uh, screen readers is gonna throw up right it's not gonna not gonna work at all All so for me to build a tab panel means i have to do something stateless where like if you want to show a a list of tabs the css selector will probably be like role equals tab list and then on the list of tabs the active one is not going to be like check hidden checkbox.focus it's going to be like aria selected Hmm. which is how you build a tab panel uh, you know that, that is compatible with the screen reader. And you have to kind of do it stateless. So you got to use the selectors that way. And that's an annoying thing to get right. Hmm. I have an outstanding issue that I'm working with uh, a very patient developer that is going through the ropes. And sort of the, that's been the hardest one so far, has been like getting that PR in a really good shape because you know, first they did it with like hidden checkboxes. Again, can't do it. Uh, then I wrote out in detail like why they'll, they'll have to do it a certain way. They came back and did it pretty good. Uh, wasn't perfect. And I sort of outlined the exit criteria to be like, hey, Reach UI, which is Ryan Florence's thing. Reach UI has a tab panel library. T- I'm sorry, tab panel component. What if you rendered a tab panel and you put 98.css and it just worked? 
So like basically Ryan's markup is now correct because that's been verified. He works with Marcy Sutton, who's a phenomenal accessibility developer. Uh, I've been a contemporary of hers for a number of years, ever since I did accessibility work back at Khan Academy. Smartest person ever. Uh, I think she's at Gatsby now doing accessibility stuff and super bright. So she, she worked with Ryan on a lot of these things and sort of that's the exit criteria. He's like, Hey, if this works, then I'm going to all merge this bad boy. Hmm. But that's time consuming process. And, you know, once it's good to go, I'm going to add it to the docs. But it's like annoying to use, right? Like you have to bring in, you have to provide your own tab panel to use this thing. It's not nearly as cool as like, hey, I'm going to take a text box and I'm going to make it look like Windows 98. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of those things aren't as interesting to me. Uh, Those sorts of problems of like adding these components, like a drop down menu. Not super interested in it, but right. I think it. I don't know. Sounds doesn't sound like scope creep. It should probably be in Windows ninety eight CSS. Like it should be able to render them. But yeah, those issues come in and they're tough. Like someone else gave me, you know, like a start menu component, and it's the same thing. It's like I can't do this with focus because that's not how start menu works. Like you're not going to be able to use it with a keyboard, and that's frustrating to tell to somebody. Right? How do you outline that to say like, listen, you're before you put in a couple hours to make like this fun thing. I'm not going to put it in the library because it's not accessible. I have that as one of the core tenets of the project, yeah, okay. but it's going to ask, I mean, how do you put unit tests for something like that? Right? Like you can't, well, I, I don't think you would, you would have yeah. to review. Yeah. You got to review it and then be like, Hey, I'm not going to put this in. Thanks well, I, for I think all your that work. If you kind of bring that up front, like this library is, that's very important to this library. There's an upfront. I don't know if it needs to be in the, you know, the template for the PR when they make it, like they know that Ooh, it's good there or, or even in the description, honestly, at this point, it's like, might as well just mention that up front so people know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting around like, you know, what, what are your goals and how do they relate to theirs? And they assume certain things like, oh, you just want it to look like that. But you're like, no, has at to a fundamental be, level. Yeah, yeah. It has to be has to accessible. be the same. Windows 98 is so accessible, both from an assistive device perspective, like being able to use the keyboard really effectively, being able to use the mouse effectively, which is like a new thing at the time. Um, and also from a visual point of view, like I, <laughs> there was a reporter DM me on Twitter. Uh, he worked for, is it The Intercept? I want to say. This is bad that I'm not remembering. Um, he wrote an article about me. And one of the quotes in there is like, I've literally watched my mom on her iPhone, like use Instagram and she doesn't know if certain things are buttons because they're just like blue text, mm. you know, like they look like text. And I've literally said to her like, oh, you have to tap that. You have to click that. And it's weird that yeah. like, ah, it doesn't look like a button, right? Like how did we, how did we lose that sort of thing? Whereas Windows 98, it looks like a goddamn button. It's this right. chiseled piece of stone with drop shadows. It's, you know, um, right. huh. so I can't, I can't make a windows 98. That's not accessible. I can't do it. Like that would be disgusting of me. Um, morally, I have an accessibility background. I built a thing called totally when I was at Khan Academy, it's an accessibility toolbar checker type thing. Uh, and you also made, um, what's the other one, the other tool, the Mac, Oh, I had a contrast color picker for a bit. That's not on the Mac App Store anymore. Um, that was an Electron app that you could pick two colors and it would not only tell you the contrast ratio, but it would also suggest what shade of blue you should use. So you put in a blue on white, tells you it's not accessible. It's got a contrast ratio of 2.7 instead of the 3.0. Here's the shade of blue you should use to get 3.0, which 
uh, was provided source code by Google. This is um, Alice. Uh, she goes by Sundress on Twitter. Uh, Alex Boss, Alice Boxhall, one of my other favorite accessibility people. They're all amazing. I don't know. You'll probably hear me rave about them during our conversation, but Alice is so smart. She's been at Google forever. She does accessibility and dev tools, bunch of brilliant features. One of the features in there is, is suggesting the colors. So she does this right. unbelievable linear algebra to like, you draw the plane that crosses the RGB at the right place in the color cube. And then you sort of traverse that cube, the edges of the cube until you have a shade of blue or shade of green that is accessible. Um, so I, anyway, I use her math, but I thought that was a killer feature of the thing. Turned out it wasn't like it is good, but that's not how you get people to buy your $5 color picker. Hmm. So I, when Catalina came out, it broke my electron app and I couldn't fix it. I spent like six hours and I couldn't fix it. Hmm. And I was like, cool. I've, I've well exceeded the uh, margins here. The return on investment of my time the thing was making like maybe twenty dollars a month which is like a fun thing right like when someone buys your software it's like whoa cool someone gave me money but right. at a certain point I'm like i'm not gonna be able to fix this thing i don't want to rewrite it so i recommended samsofts and mds have a use contrast.com they have a phenomenal color picker really well designed works it's native it's not electron so it feels really good uh looks really good doesn't tell doesn't suggest a shade of blue that you should use so you know they don't have my killer feature but they outsold me because they're they're both better developers than I make a better product. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm into accessibility. I cannot make an inaccessible Windows 98, especially CSS thing. Like, if you want, I don't know, I, I, if people are going to be using this thing, and I and I've gotten PRs of like, oh, I need my so and so to look like a button. So here's a thing that inserts an is button class name. So you'll, I'll get the button styles for my div. And I'm like, absolutely fucking not. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to allow that. I understand the extremes of like, you know, the Gmail interface is built with divs and it's perfectly keyboard accessible. They also spend literally hundreds of millions of dollars building that interface. So, well, hundreds of millions a lot. I guess over the timeline of Google, it's probably about right. But anyway, millions of dollars a year on Google's interface, Gmail's interface, sorry. So they can make buttons out of divs, but you cannot. Mm. I guess it got me thinking that this would be a great, this is already a great like library or project to just talk about accessibility then. Like if you want it to be almost like an educational tool, like this is fun. Like people, like you're saying that when they see the the site for the first time, they already know what it's about. You don't have to read it really. Uh, But then when they look into it, they want to contribute. You could be like, hey, this is important to me. And this should be important to you too. And this is one way for you to get into like learning some of this stuff and how to make it easier. Happening a little bit in the PR comments of, you know, the tab panels and the drop down menu. But yeah, it's sort of a, you know, if I get more contributors and I make the experience really nice and really fun, yeah, totally spread the word more. I'm thinking of it from the other end of like, in order to use my friggin' library, your interface has to be accessible, which is not teachable. That's sort of enforceable. It's like tax code versus teaching people to do the right thing, right? I should be able to do both. Yeah, because I know at the end, you wrote a blog post about making it and everything. I know at the end, you're like kind of, you know, you don't really care if it, no one uses it. Or you, you just want to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. But if it does get some traction, then, I mean, it seems like you are looking at emerging PRs and people are contributing um, so it's like, not that it needs to be an official thing or anything. It's just like, it, it is more than maybe what you thought initially. So, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. The PR process has been fun. I 
it's been fun for a couple reasons. One of them is that it's just nice to be on GitHub again. I mean, it's been a while. I did a lot of open source when I was in college and I had all this free time doing internships and stuff. I like to think it helped, but you know, this was at the time where a lot of people were like, oh, the GitHub portfolio is not a good idea. Um, and it's not, but anyway, I had a, a good one and I had a lot of fun building a couple, you know, a couple things you see your, your star counts. I've gotten uh, desensitized to be honest, like, you know, it's got 98 CSS is 4,500 stars, which is like a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. But you know, I've been, been down this road. Like my, I lit a little slideshow library did this. I had a isometric web canvas library did this you know, on Hacker News, on Reddit, I, I kind of know what happens. And the the thrill of it has not been, look how many people are looking at my thing. Yeah. It's been more like, look at the nice things people are saying about it, which is different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to sort of like when I, I'll give you an example. When I wrote my slideshow library, I cared very deeply about the code quality. And if people saw it, it was like, cool, I wrote really good code and so many people saw it and starred it. That means I'm awesome. Mm. Now I've, I've sort of, it sort of follows my personality and my career, which is that like the code for 98.css, it's not good. Um, you know, there are a couple build scripts in there that are disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work and I'm really proud of them because they work. And I'm more proud of the fact that I got this thing up and running and people are like, talking about how cool it is rather than just looking at it and my code is good therefore i'm a good developer now it's people are saying nice things about this thing that i put out in the world therefore you know i did the right thing so it's it's shifted right it used to be a code quality thing i really don't care about code quality um and you know we could talk about this too it was part of it um it's just not a thing i really care about ice prettier looks great um but People will give me PRs that they don't have prettier. I'm not linting the source code. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get review comments. People are like, oh, just so you know. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. The Someone put a CSS rule where it was like selector, curly brace, properties, and curly brace all in the same line. Mm-hmm. So it's just one property. And someone wrote in and was like, just so you know, uh, this is not the sort of standard formatting that this library uses this was not me this was like a random Uh, try hard (laughs) literally code reviewed somebody and i don't want to you know call them out right i don't remember the username because it's not important but uh i don't think that behavior is cool i don't i don't you know that's me to do that but i don't care right so like if your rules on the same line i don't care it's not important to me um if I hit save next time I'm editing it and prettier decides that it should be on a separate line. Great. I'm just going to commit it. I'm not going to like yeah. freak out because it's not perfectly matching my thing. I'm sort of a nihilist when it comes to that where, no, I mean, I feel that way too. No. Yeah. It, it, you, especially like that kind of stuff, you can just, when you're committing, you could add another commit yourself that formats it, or you right. could run it on CI or whatever. There's so many ways to like get around the fact that they didn't know that it was needed. And maybe the other person was mel- well-meaning, like they said that they absolutely were, you know, but, they want the code quality to like match and they think that that's important to me. They're trying to represent me. Uh, it's not. And I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think it's, you know, it, it, there's a threshold, right? Like I think Babel source code should probably look pretty similar. Would you go across files? Maybe it's easy to traverse. I don't know. I don't contribute to Babel. I, I removed Guy Fieri, but that's it. 
<laughs> yeah, you I had a contribution. Yeah, I did have yeah. a contribution. It was not, it was pinned um, to my profile for a while. It we I mean we use prettier too. It, it's I don't think it. I don't. I, yeah, I think over time the things that you care about changes and and maybe like what you're trying to go for is you know you, it's not really that. Like how many people are actually going to look at the code versus you're showing them usually the site itself right. with the the style like the design, um, or the styles itself, not like the source code. They're they're probably looking at that anyway. So it's like no one really cares if the code is like not that great. Yeah. You know? Right. I think another half of it is that I don't know what clean CSS looks like. People have <laughs> tried really hard, and you know this is another entire podcast episode. Um, I used to be super into CSS and JS. I'm not so much anymore because Stripe has a literally world-class component library. I don't write CSS in my day job anymore. Um, I just use the components. Like That's great. <laughs> the designer has these tools that give me uh, you know, a list with text fields and buttons. And if I use the list component with the text field component and the button component, it's going to be pixel perfect. I don't have to use the right class name. I just use the button component. Um, so I don't write CSS. I don't have any opinions on CSS anymore. Uh, but I don't know how to write good CSS. I don't, I don't know. I, I, is it even, excuse me, a skill I want to develop? I don't think it is. I think um, it's important in certain circumstances. It's not important for 98 on CSS. Uh, it's important at Stripe in the sense of like the people writing the CSS for the text list component or the text input component and the button component. Um, maybe that CSS should look pretty freaking good. But for me, I don't, really concern myself with it so i think it's honestly arrogant for me to say like your css doesn't look like mine therefore i'm not going to accept your contribution because i don't know what good css is like should i alphabetize them probably not uh you could argue that maybe you should you could argue that you want to i don't know there's that four letter acronym of like position and color should be in separate sections um Mm. do you want to abide by that i don't care i mean if i really cared i would just put like an automatic thing in there uh, kind of like prettier, right? Like I don't really care what clean JavaScript looks like, clean formatted JavaScript. So just pr- whatever prettier does is good for me. I'm a big, big proponent of code f- formatting. Um, I'm getting off topic, but yeah, I all that to say that I care way more about this person that is enthusiastically giving me source code for a library. I want to get that merged. Like it's cool. And if they're giving me a tree view component, let's just get it out. Like it looks fine. You know, like the foot codes fine. The semantics are fine. It's accessible. That's all I care about. Right. Like I don't really care if their CSS looks like mine. Um, yeah. And right now it's just a single file. So maybe it's easier to be like, you know, does it really matter kind of thing? Yeah. You're like, all right, let's just do yeah. it. You know, hundred percent. And, and, and also like, if this is more of a niche thing, then, like the people that are willing to contribute are a lot more enthusiastic than maybe other people in different projects, possibly. Especially if it has to do with this aesthetics and yeah, I I like to think so. Um, another thing that has been interesting is like, so I haven't given anyone contributor access apart from uh, Muan. So Muan is at GitHub. She's an also awesome Twitter person. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you met her at Boro JS events. Also an awesome accessibility person. She talks about a lot about semantic HTML, which is very important to my project. Um, she, how was I getting, wait, hold on. Sorry. Oh yeah. She is a contributor. I have uh, another friend of mine that's a contributor, but uh, in my other projects, like when people give me PRs 
for Cleaver, which is my presentation framework, has like 4,000 stars. I don't think it's used by that many people, though. Sort of tried by starring. But anyway, mm-hmm. someone gives me a good PR. I really look at it for like a split second. And then I'll look at their profile, make sure they're not like a spammer. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just give them PR access. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, uh, commit access. So I'll literally add them as a collaborator. I'll be like, cool, you're in. Go ahead and merge your own thing. And I've tweeted about this. Um, this is a piece of advice I got from John Resig. So I used to work with him at Khan Academy. I, I'm sorry I'm name dropping so much this episode. These are all nice people. I'm not saying that they're like, I'm cool because I know them. They're just really nice people. And you should yeah, get to know yeah, them. Yeah. Um, anyway, John John used to like mentor me a bit. And we worked on accessibility stuff together. He's a phenomenal human being. And one of the pieces of advice he gave me was like, these people that enthusiastically view source code, a lot of times magical things will happen when you just give them commit access. So this is a library that I'm not going to touch again. And this person is. So let's just see what happens. Worst case scenario. Well, I guess worst, worst case scenario is <laughs> I wear in my library. So I'll yeah. sp- let's make sure they don't do that. Um, if my library is not super important, whatever. But worst case scenario, they don't do anything. So like right. I give them commit access, they merge their own PR, and then they walk away. Great. That's the same as where we were in the initial state. But what usually happens, and it's always fascinating to me, is that they'll start like grooming issues and grooming other people's PRs. It's fascinating to me. Like I have a python library from when i was 19 it generates sine waves and like square waves and stuff so you can write like sheet music and it'll make like right in python so it's awful awful library um very slow doesn't do anything anyway someone gave me pr was like cool here you go and then they like redid everything they're like (laughs) oh cool you know the way that you do octaves is wrong i have a music degree i'm like cool i don't sounds great let's go with your code uh and they fix everything they go in old issues they close them out People give me PRs. They review them. It's phenomenal. This is just someone who gave me a drive-by PR that was probably like, I fixed a typo in your docs. And I gave them commit access and like magical things happen. So all that to say, I have not done that yet with 98.css. I still am interested in shaping it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Figuring out like, where does this library live? How can I set this up for success when it comes to accessibility? When it comes to contributing uh, JavaScript style components? Once it's at that point, I'll probably be like super, super, super liberal with just giving people all the access. But for now, I'm very liberal with just merging PRs. Uh, anyway, anyone listening, give me a PR. I'll merge it. You can put spyware in it if you want. I probably won't. <laughs> so, no, it makes sense. Like, I think in the beginning, it's almost like you're still figuring out what you think this project is. And you don't know the scope and stuff like that. And eventually, you're kind of okay with what people are no, i think you put enough things in place so that it's natural for people to follow what your mental model of this project is yeah. essentially yeah. and and it's almost like you don't even have to tell them oh this is about accessibility or whatever it is people will follow it and i, I think that it's true in the source code in the docs and in how you act as a maintainer like i was even just trying to look through the project and stuff and so even the um i was looking at some of the examples on the site for how to use certain things. You know, like I, I saw, like it would say, like they had like the Bon Appetit members in one of the examples. I was like, that's, that's cool. Bon Appetit desk kitchen. Shout out to Claire. And a lot of funny stuff in there. Like I saw um, you had cowbell, right? And then you could do the volume slider up and down. So I guess I've seen more, less cowbell, right? Um, wait. I don't know. Just so, like. So wait, that's funny you say that. I didn't write the docs for that. A contributor did. Did I not even read it? Hold on. Yeah. I'm loading it up now, slider. So I guess it's more like once someone sees something, right? Like yeah. people will kind of follow up on yeah. it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. 
It's re- I so I, I'm not kidding. This is not a plan. I did not know that Cowbell was there, and like maybe I should because I'm a. Main I figured painter, but... you wouldn't know one of them because I was like, because at first I thought you did it, and I was looking through the PRs. I was like, oh, oh, they're doing these things. So <laughs> oh, that's so great. Thank you for telling me about that. I didn't yeah. know, but yeah, you're you're so right. Like you know, setting the stage of like have fun with this damn thing, right? So it's, it's library makes it look like Windows ninety eight. Don't take yourself seriously. It's fun make sure it works right that's it that's all i care about so yeah i don't know i'm i'm into it i don't know what the end state is i part of me i'm such a nihilist with this stuff part of me is like cool project's done looks like windows 98 right like i'm done with it um another part of me is excuse me let's spit out a couple components i don't know see what happens third part of me is like let's just wait for people to build stuff with it yeah see what the reality is that a lot of those things just aren't going to happen like maybe no one's ever going to use this for their personal site um i didn't really build it for myself to use like i didn't have a use case in mind when i built this which is an interesting point of view that's complete opposite from all my other open source projects this is just literally something fun i want to make and i don't know what that means for you know the quote-unquote health of the library if you want to determine health as like how fresh is this thing going to stay it's possible that no commits will ever be added again. There's a possibility that the library is going to sit there for two years. And uh, I don't think there's like any visual bugs in it. That's so arrogant of me to say, but like, <laughs> you know, it's so small in scope. Mm. I've measured it. It looks like Windows 98, right? And I don't think anyone's going to be complaining on Twitter like people have been about uh, a dent JavaScript library being like, oh, <laughs> this is used by 4 million people a month, but it has this old bug. Library is not maintained for two years. I'm so pissed off right now. That's not going to happen for Windows 98. So is it fair to say that like Windows 98 might die? I don't know. Maybe it's like it's immortal because it's just going to always yeah. exist. It's always going to look like Windows 98. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I, I think that's a good question to think about like what you're saying. Like, well, what does it mean for a project to be healthy? There's so many aspects of that. Like right. I think we tend to think of healthy as relevance instead of like I, and from yeah. the maintainer point of view, I think of the maintainer health of like who is working on it. Are they not being burnt out? That kind of thing. And then, or you could talk about the code and like whether it even works still, like, is it doing what it's supposed to do? Yeah. Um, and then also just what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, like, where is it going? Uh, does it have a vision? Like, but not every project needs something like that, right? So, yeah, I. It's funny. It's like I don't know if I'm taking it seriously enough, which is funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, ah, is it done? It looks like Windows ninety eight. Blah blah blah. Maintenance. What's that even going to look like? You know, how do you maintain something that? feasibly the button borders should look like they do now in five years uh just wow. because the way css works um it's a good question po- so like here's the thing i am not there's a couple parts of it where i am addressing browser bugs or browser discrepancies those will definitely probably break spectacularly like the way that we render uh checkboxes on mobile safari requires us to add another property and is it possible that in five years safari will catch up mobile safari will catch up that property will it break something else i guess is possible and 
at that point, like someone files a bug, is anyone going to want to fix it? That would be nice. How do I ensure that that's the case? I don't know. You, if I yeah. make it fun and a like interesting place to contribute, uh, I don't know. A lot of people talk about how there's just this wall of like, even though they have a one line change for a library, they don't want to go through the hoops. Yep. So what if those hoops just didn't exist for 90.css? Like, what if I two years from now had six people that I've added as contributors because they've given me PRs and someone writes in says, Hey, this checkbox bug is happening again. And then they just merge it. Right. Like that would be, I think successful for me. Another thing I wanted to bring up was you mentioned pixel perfect. And I, I guess sort of like this weird uncanny Valley of, you know what it should look like. And then yep. someone else did it. So like kind of right. Yep. The, what, what do we call it? Like almost like anti-aliasing by right. By doing mm-hmm. the 45 degree. Yes, absolutely. And so you mentioned that you basically bought the Windows like reference manual or something to like check this stuff. I bought it. Oh, man, I don't want to say it's a year ago, probably almost a year ago, though. It was very cheap on Amazon. I got it used probably like 10 bucks. Huge, like 500 pages. Big book. And I completely left this out before. But um, when I was first looking into the, the sort of staircase shadow, this it turns out this is documented behavior. Mm. This is specked yeah. out behavior from the Windows user experience guidelines. Um, mm. It's fascinating to me. Like you literally open the book, you go to page one seventy. I have quotes in there on the docs. So. Yeah, that, I thought that was cool to put in. And yeah, it kind of made for a cute little introduction of like yeah. what did, what did an input box? How was that described in the nineties? Um, it's an input for entering text. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this book, I grabbed a copy of it because I found a digital version that had like the literally a picture of what that staircase pattern looks like on the shadows. And I was like, wow. oh my God, I have to immediately own this. So I bought it and I did reference it. I referenced it. It's referenced in my variable names in terms of like um, calling it button highlight color, button shadow color. Mm. And um, there's things in there of like, what, what should I call it? So I call something a... Uh, sorry, let me open up the docs. But the names I give to these things do correspond with what they're called. So, for instance, option button instead of radio button. Mm. Uh, it's called an option button. In the docs, it mentions why it's called radio. I didn't know this. A little fun fact. Um, on old school radios, you might know this already, but you can only hit one of the buttons at once. So, if you hit like play and then you hit fast forward, the play button pops up again. Right, right. So that's why it's called a radio button because you can only have one of these things. Ah, um, that makes sense. Yes. But in the Windows docs, it's called an option button. Now, to use option button, you don't have to remember that it's called an option button. You just have to render a radio button semantically. So input type equals radio. But nevertheless, um, it's called an option button. So that's what's called in the in the library. And yeah, I reference them uh, when I sort of reference behavior of when it's disabled. Like it has a grayed out selected state. And I did that... Um, kind of twofold one of them was literally writing these things in visual basic four and taking a screenshot from my vm and, and measuring the pixels and the other was like the actual spec that behavior a couple things didn't match up really well so one of them was um the guidelines specify spacing between items so spacing between buttons that are in the same group and in opposite groups as well as how far should these buttons be from the edge of the window how far should uh you know the labels of an input box be from the input box and those like sounded really good in theory, but when I went to measure these things, it was never correct. Literally never. Like I would go into uh, system preferences on Windows 98, like you right click your desktop, you go to change your image. 
And those buttons are like small and they're really close to the edge of the page. They don't match the guidelines. And I don't want to say that like, which, which source of truth did I use? But I made up some numbers. So like right, yeah, I, yeah. the space in between buttons yeah. is eight pixels, right? Cause that's like what looks kind of good. Um, they define it as they have a standard unit, which is one fourth of the width of the X character. So that seems very similar to CH and CSS. And then they have things like a button should be seven units from the edge of the window. But when I went to measure it, it's like, okay, this isn't correct. It should be seven pixels, but it's actually nine. What goes on? What's going on here? So a lot of things were, were screwy. And I, uh, kind of straight off the beaten path, like it's spec behavior, but I'm not aligning to the spec for those things. Um, so funny hearing you yeah. say that. Cause um, it reminds me a lot of like, even just thinking about Babel and how it relates to the JavaScript spec, mm. right? What you're doing is there's this thing that is written down. I mean, in this case, JavaScript is changing all the time, but yours is it's fixed. And we have to kind of you, well, I'm not reading the spec, but someone's reading the spec. They're going to write the code. <laughs> you don't read the spec? Um, no. I don't even know how to read it, actually, um, which is sad. But um, same thing, right? You're reading the spec. Sometimes it's wrong, quote unquote, because it doesn't make sense or something. And it's because other people, other humans wrote it. They There's no, like, necessarily, you know, there's the kind of like the difference between implementations and the spec, right? The, yeah. the written whatever the spec is written in English or whatever it is. And then each in for JavaScript, each JavaScript engine, which they have, they don't implement a hundred percent of it. So there's bugs in between all of them, right? Browser bugs. Is Same there a one this. true engine? So like in Ruby, things are based off of MRI, right? Matt's is a Ruby interpreter. And like, if you're writing a Ruby interpreter, it should behave like MRI. Is that not the case with JavaScript? No, it's a oh. spec out language ahead of time. Okay. Interesting. Right. Cause what happens that's really is, hard yeah, actually that's a big, it's a good thing and a bad thing if, if you think like, you know, you don't really match the implementation, you match the spec language. And then they even have like caveats, like there's something called Annex B, which is like the, the, they always have like horror stories about that. But like, it's sort of like defining undefined behavior where it's like the spec was too <laughs> vague and people implement, implement it in a certain way. So we should spec out what browsers do that are the same. So that when you do implement an engine, you want it to be as similar as possible to the existing ones. Wow. Yep. You also keep that in. But it's like no one also no one wants to figure out that behavior. But then you're going to find these edge cases eventually, yeah. uh, because you know how many millions of people are using JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. So for me, I, I definitely take an implementation approach ahead of the spec. So the spec drives a lot of the docs. And it drives when I name things. But in terms of like actual pixel, pixel measurements, I go by measuring my VM. So in the title bar, you know, the blue thing at the top of the window, I know that it's literally two pixels from the edge of the screen because I've seen it. Um, if the thing in the book calls it four units and that unit maybe is half a pixel, sounds good, but I that's not how I did it. Um, right. So that's going to bite me in the ass, but... And then when it came to to icons, right? Icons I have to measure because those are not necessarily specced out. Um, they have a couple in the book, but there are ones that are missing. And uh, I guess as a, as, as a tangent here, that was one of the most fun parts of the project was loading up in in, in VM Player, loading up Visual uh, Windows ninety eight, um, playing you know Sim Coaster when I wanted to, and then. Uh, <laughs> Writing Visual Basic again, which is super fun. Visual Basic, I learned how to program, so mm. writing it again, super fun. 
dragging and dropping UI elements onto this little canvas, which is probably how modern web development should look like. It's another podcast, but anyway, um, you know, dragging and dropping if I wanted scroll bar there, I put the scroll bar there. It looks great. And then measuring it, Pixel Perfect was so fun. And the icons were so fun to draw. Mm. Like, I don't know why. It was just a part of my brain. I had Figma open and I'm looking at this question mark icon. I'm zoomed the hell in. And I'm copying it pixel by pixel until it looks great. And then I'm aligning it inside the button until it looks great. It was so fun. It's like puzzle or something. It's a puzzle. Yeah, it's like doing a puzzle. It's just fascinating to me. I don't know why it was so fun. It's so rote. At the end of the day, I'm not creating anything. I'm literally copying someone. Copying, yeah. But I'm copying code that's been there for 30 years. Uh, Fascinating. So, yeah, Figma, really good pixel editor. Also, just a really good design tool. Like, I have um, Mm. I wrote, I did it separately after the fact. So after I wrote the CSS library, I did it again in Figma to learn about components and um, auto align and stuff. Figma is a fantastic design tool. I, I yeah. literally blown away by what they accomplished in the browser. And it was super fun for pixel art and also just fun to like be able to draw, you know, like I have a window component and I just drag and drop it and I can fill out the text at the top and the text on the buttons. And it looks like Windows 98. It's like so cool. It never, it never fails to just impress me. So, um, yeah, I'm having fun with it that in two ways. One was writing it CSS, and another one was doing it on Figma. And then uh, the thing I neglected to mention was once you're done, you know, sort of go through the process of making an icon, you just copy to SVG. Mm. And you just paste it in your text editor, and, and it just like just works. It's amazing. The SVG representation under the hood is very good. Uh, it looks pretty good. So I learned a lot of SVG in this project as well, um, which was super fun. I've done a lot of things in Canvas before, but... Yeah, SVG is great. Like I have a little web service for the badges. So the shows the GZIP size and the yeah. um, version. Yeah, I saw that. And that is a, uh, not Next.js. It is a, just a now service, just a little microservice that um, literally returns SVG as text. And then that's what gets rendered there, which is going to sound very obvious to a lot of listeners, but it's something I didn't know. Like I didn't know how do you draw a picture from like I know how to return JSON, but how do I return a picture, right? Turns out you can return SVG and it looks like, you know, it's just text, right? It's just markup. So uh, I had a lot of fun learning about that, the intricacies of how paths work and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of, I learned a surprising yeah. amount with this. It was, you know, you never expect to, right? That's sort of the beauty of writing code and interacting with computers in general is that you have an idea of like, oh, Windows 98. It turns out you're going to learn like a ton of stuff. That's right. completely not related to Windows 98. And uh, that's what makes it fun. I mean, this project's really all about just having fun with it. And I know that sounds so cliche to say, but I wasn't going to finish the damn thing if I didn't have fun with it. Like, I spent two weeks on it. I'm not going to spend two weeks on something that's, like, not fun. Because there's no <laughs> it's not like financial payoff for this thing, right? Like, I'm not charging for it. Um, I guess branding wise, I don't know, makes me look pretty good. I get to be on a, mm-hmm. on a cool podcast with Henry. It's like amazing. But, uh, yeah. well, I, I hope that people don't think that the only reason why you were on, cause you made this, <laughs> that'd be funny. <laughs> cause I, I, I think we should have done a podcast a long time ago, but yeah. You I definitely asked me and I gave you that very empty, like, oh yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Um, I like these things. I like the sound of my voice. I like talking. I don't know. That's you know good. You've known me for a couple of years now. I really enjoy talking, so I'm happy to rant about any topic. Good guess. You can uh, kind of just go, and I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> nah, you know, I, yeah, just whatever you want. Uh, you did have a nice little outline here, and I, yeah, I think we covered a, a good amount of it. But um, 
but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun project. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, you know, the way that I do projects, and this is sound so silly is my motivation is it doesn't make any sense. I've, I've tried to pinpoint it. I've tried to, um, you know, like figure out what, what motivates me and what, what do I find interesting both at work and, and personal projects. And uh, I can't pinpoint it. Usually it's nostalgia and pixel perfect stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. But when it comes to like getting my butt in the chair and writing code, I can't, can't predict it. It just happens. I like to think of it as like a tsunami coming in. Right. So <laughs> I, you know, couple, you think about this problem for two years of like, cool. Can I make a design library that looks like windows 98? No one's really done it. Great job. I could probably do it. I feel like I'm smart enough. Um, I feel like I'm weird, weirdly passionate enough about this that I can make it work. But that wasn't enough for me. What was enough for me was like I was sitting on the couch and I was like, cool, let's try this damn thing. And then you do it and you get sucked in and you just work on it because it's fun and it's rewarding. And there were days where it was not rewarding. Like mm. I would instead, you know, it's a Saturday and I'm like, cool, I should probably get this site out. Or I could just play like astroneer instead right like i just mine the moon uh it's a little astro is very good video game by the way uh space colony that i've been playing too much um you know i could play valorant instead valorant uh and that's like fine you know i like to think of this as like breathe in breathe out you got you got to do both can't pick one and i need my time for being productive if you count writing css it looks like windows 98 is productive um i need those days but i also need the days where i don't do anything so there were days where in the back of my mind, I knew that like, hey, I want to finish this thing. I'm just not feeling it today. Uh, so I'm not going to do it. And I don't feel guilty about that anymore. I used to early That's in my good. career. And that made open source fairly difficult, especially when you're balancing it with a job, right? Like all your energy is expunged uh, in your nine to five. You know, f- writing code for probably 20 hours of that. Well, that's a lie. You're writing code for probably five hours of that. And, um, you know. <laughs> that's uh, a whole podcast. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that too. Um, work-life balance and all that. But yeah, five hours of, of deeply focused code a week is a lot. And you don't really want to come home and write stuff anymore. So I had my days where I was super into the idea. You know, like I had my coffee and I'm like, sweet, let's just make this uh, text box work. And then there were days where I just literally didn't, had no interest in doing it. And give yourself enough, excuse me, give yourself enough time. You know, for me it was two weeks. And you get this stuff out. Um, you know, if you actually... Time on the clocks, probably not more than 10 hours, but, uh, you know, you need more time. I need more time now than when I was younger. I'm not old now by any means, but, um, I just work slowly cause I, I work like in short bursts, right? Like mm-hmm. I can hyper-focus, get you a button really good in like, you know, 30 minutes and then I'm tired for like six days. So this project, I wonder if it's. Uh, Similar to, that. similar to like writing then because a lot i think when i want to write something it's like when you're in the moment you want to say it you just do it otherwise it's not happening it's just not oh the hunt uh, literally a thousand percent i could never write a book uh it just it would take me more than a lifetime it would take me several lifetimes to write a book my blog posts um you know if you want to google me whatever you can go to my blog uh they're all really short i don't edit them they probably have typos in them and they just PRs. those are prs <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, it's on GitHub. That, that Jaden is so dot cool. Um, yeah, like I used to care about that, and I used to think like, oh, my blog post has to be perfect. But it takes so long, 
And again, this goes back to the CSS. I don't know what a perfect blog post is. I'm not a good writer. So like, who am I to say that I am using too much passive voice? I don't know what that is. I got a B plus in English in high school. And um, so for me, a blog post is like, I have an idea, stew on it for a bit. Richicky, what was he called? His Handic driven development. You go off and you think about it for a couple of days. And then one day you're like, why not? You know, you sit for 30 minutes and you just cram something out. Uh, that, I mean, that's what happened with the 98.css blog post, right? I was mm. like, cool, should I blog about this? Sure. It used to matter to me where I'd be like, oh, I got to get this out on launch, right? Like, how could I launch without a blog post? And then I think that's so stupid in hindsight. So now as a very, very mature senior engineer, I, uh, yeah. I know what it's like to be like, I don't know, I don't feel like writing a blog post today. And then a week later, I'm like, yeah, fuck it, why not? And then you sit for 25 minutes and you write it and it has typos and you just ship it, right? Right. And uh, that's how all my writing, that's how the Guy Fieri post happened. I mean, I, I almost didn't finish that. Uh, oh. This was four years ago now, five years ago. and 2016, yeah. You have a good memory. Um, no, I looked it up because I figured. <laughs> yeah, you have to do due diligence research on your guests, right? Well, um, that, that was what I was going to talk about. Like, I even I have to learn the same lesson that you're saying, but for like every single new thing I do of like wanting to be perfect, where it's like, I feel like I could probably like do a lot more podcasts not to like put out more content just because i want to talk to more people right. but i feel like i need to like research them and it's like they, i'm not you even considering them uh, as a person you know yeah so Ooh, yeah. that's a good point it's like just talk you know like why do i care about sounding like informed or, or whatever right. just kind of yeah you do a little bit just to like have something to say but after a while just just post it just like what you're saying just do it yeah just do it i mean i don't know you could typos as me burping by accident in the mic right like you just leave those in um or <laughs> coughing I should say cough so burping but uh yeah i i used to be a perfectionist i am now i'm on you know i've been on anti-anxiety medication for a couple of years now so i know that like i'm just more mellow of a person in general mm-hmm. and that um you know that that definitely transcends into like my writing which is i don't care i'm in a position not to care again i mean i'm a white dude it's easy for me to like have a typo um no one's going to like post my home address and try to dox me because I fucking call Haskell bad, you know, something like that. Uh, so, you know, part of me feels a little guilty that I care so little when other people that don't look like me have to care a lot. Like I could easily see another person putting out 98.css and then just getting fucking mm. flamed for it. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, and not to say I don't get mean comments, but like I, mine are nothing. Right, like people write in, like, "Oh, it's actually off by couple pixels," and I'm like, "Cool, it's, no, it's not. Shut up." And then that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Right, right. Uh, it's not a wall of just harassment over and over again, just a you know dehumanizing aspect. So, I, I, I have the privilege of not being able to care, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I exercise that widely, and I, I like to hope that that helps me open up doors for other people. Like, if yeah. you want to contribute to 98.css, have it on your GitHub. Uh, I guess unfair to say, cause I get the credit for it, you know, but you can put on your GitHub and you can point to PRs and stuff, but like, I'll make that awesome. I'll make that a really nice experience for you because I don't care about perfect quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes very strongly in video right now. Uh, perfect code. I don't know what that is. I've been writing code for a really long time. I like to think I'm pretty good at it. I don't know what perfect code is. And for me to say like, this code's not perfect. Do it again. is just so rude and arrogant. So like, I don't know, give me whatever you want. As long as it works, as long as it's accessible accessible and um yeah so that that's sort of that's how i look at everything like that's how i blog and i like to think that uh it's allowed me to put 
stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. Where, as you mentioned, it's not really like you want to be a hyper blogger, podcast influencer type that just has 10 episodes a week, but you want to talk to people. And I'm the same way. Like, I want to share my ideas. And I found it easier to share my ideas. Uh, Unfortunately, I found them easiest to share on Twitter because there's no effort to just put out five tweets about cool programming thing you found out. Mm-hmm. But if I can lower the barrier of entry to to a blog, like how can I put out some really scrappy blog post where I just don't care about the person on Hacker News that's going to be like, well, actually, I studied the Lambda calculus for five years, and this is why you're wrong. Um, I don't really care about that person. It's not really who I'm writing for. It's not my audience. So, yeah, you know. I think understanding your audience. It's like with the podcast sometimes especially if i'm gonna go off and like talk about non-coding things and the people that follow me are probably following me because of Babel specifically and then i'm just like making podcasts about like anthropology it's like (laughs) you know no one's gonna like like that or tweet it and that's fine it's like i need to be okay with that if i actually care about this topic um yeah i've i've got just go with it I've gotten okay with it. Like there are things I tweet about. I've been doing a lot of computation stuff. Like, um, yeah, I mentioned Lambda calculus as a joke, but I've been doing a lot of SKI combinator calculus and computation going through Tom Tom Stewart's computation book, which is phenomenal. Hmm. Um, you posted the fractal thing earlier too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just having a lot of fun with it. It's it's just fantastic academic exercise, and the engagement on those tweets is nothing. You know, I mean, in Twitter, you could do like, "Ha ha, no modules big, by the way," and you get like ten thousand retweets. <laughs> right it's like so stupid right. uh, and if you want retweets like if you want to be the person that is talking about hey look how many stars my github project got look how many retweets i have these these sort of output metrics as i call them um you can hack those yeah. i'm not into that i'm more into like i don't know i have things i want to share with people let me right. make it easy like for me it's easiest to write something that's silly it's easiest to Sorry, did I click something in the podcast thing or are we good? No, we're good. Okay, awesome. Sorry. Um, it's easiest for me to to write something silly. It's easiest for me to write something that reads very much like how I speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't edit my writing to resemblance anything else. It's just easier for me. And that's, you know, what I do. So, yeah. Yeah. We're just so worried about, I don't know, what other people think or what I think other people think. And it just just spiral of just thinking about that and then it's tough yeah and again a lot of it is certain people get way more hate for the same thing which is unfortunate you know uh i can make a typo it's not a big deal other people can make typo and they just get flamed but that being said um i don't know you, you talked about audience my audience for my blog posts is usually like people that didn't know the thing that i blogged about which is way the fuck more than the guy on Hacker News that is really good at the thing I just wrote about. Uh, and if they're a rude person, I don't care about them. Like if they say, oh, you actually made this ish- this typo here. It's supposed to be uh, X squared over 6X plus you know, log of X. Um, I don't know why I'm even using that example. But where did that come from, right? But anyway, um, you know, I don't care about the experts too much. I'm not really writing for them. It's not an academic paper. 98.css, not a research project. It is. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. I probably could get a PhD out of it, right? Um, it is fun, and that's what's supposed to be. My blog posts are fun. They're supposed to be fun to read. So I care way more about inspiring someone that didn't know about, you know, the accessibility thing I just blogged yeah. about. Way more than the accessibility expert. 
because why would I even want to impress them? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going for an award or like an accolade or a peer review journal, literally just trying to teach. So cast a wide net. Uh, the obvious, like the extreme of that is saying, haha, no modules big and then getting 10,000 retweets. So like, you know, uh, you know, be yourself. Don't, but don't feel like you gotta be perfect. You don't, I don't know. Or or just make your audience everyone. It kind of reminds me of like, um, I've seen on some blogs, um, any particular, I forgot where I got this from, but, um, they will put assumed audience at the top of the blog. And so then you can say like, I am writing this for this type of person. So that way you kind of know upfront, like that's pretty good. You say certain things. To be honest, my only, my, my FUD with that is that I don't know who my audience is a lot of the time. Like I I said, it was perceived audience. I have no fucking idea. Um, (laughs) You know, a lot of time it's like people who don't know about accessibility, I guess I could put, but I wouldn't, I I worry about self-selecting at all Mm. because I don't know the, you have to kind of look at the risks, right? The risks is someone comes to my blog, they read the first paragraph and they leave. That's fine. Like I do that to, I did that to probably 20 people today. I hope they don't feel bad about it. Um, they don't know. So yeah, they don't know. And they shouldn't care about me. I'm literally nobody. I don't matter. So if you're blogging about some cool CSS thing and it doesn't interest me, I don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, like I, you know, that's the risk is like someone leaving. The other risk is, again, the expert being snarky to you on Twitter, which, again, I don't care about them. I don't, you know, whatever. Who cares? I've been flamed by lots of people. I have a picture of Jonathan Blow calling me an idiot on my Love wall, it. right? Yeah, <laughs> it's my Twitter background. I tell people about that all the time. It's awesome. It's a great story. Yeah, we could have a podcast about Tim, too. I, I still like him as a person. I, I yeah. don't agree with his politics, and I, I don't think I would uh, want to work with him ever. But he is smart. You know, certain things, he's really bright. I, I finally finished The Witness, too. What do you think? It was when you say finish, what do you mean by finish? Meaning that obviously I didn't do all the puzzles and everything. Mm-hmm. Just what the, was the last thing you did? Just I guess I would call it the normal ending. I don't know what you would say. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, there's there's plenty of other stuff, I'm sure. We'll talk after this. <laughs> I got tired of it, so yeah. Very good games, the witness. Witness is made by Jonathan Blow for anyone listening doesn't know that very good game one of my favorite puzzlers in the last many several years i, I think it was because i did too many puzzles like i did i also played anti-chambers you need a break from puzzles you think yeah yeah Under, i understand that today i didn't do many puzzles i didn't do any chess puzzles today i usually do those in the morning i didn't actually do the crossword today today's friday right so it's gonna be hard yeah how about we end with the guy fairy stuff then Oh, uh, should I give like a history lesson? You just want to... I don't know. Like, I, it's funny because, you know, before we were talking about it all the time because it was funny and now it's been so long. And it's sort of like what you were saying before. Like people, there's always people that don't know or, like when you're writing about anything, right? Or if you're talking about something. So yeah. uh, if we want to give them... Yeah, it could be a history lesson. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we mentioned this before, but I, I used to write a lot of satire um, on Medium. One of the posts was... Uh, a suggestion that I looked into my node modules directory and I found all these horrible things. The first example was, Oh God, was it, was Express? it Ember? Oh, oh, Ember okay. was a second okay. Express. Yeah. Express? Yeah. And it was like liking a tweet from like yep. hot pockets. Hot and the pockets, suggestion yep. was that like there was an ad in the node modules. Yeah. Um, so that was like the bait, right? Like people read this like, Oh my God, this guy might be onto something. But a lot of people also do it was a joke right away. That was the intention. Yep. Was you're reading this, you're like, oh, this guy's out of his goddamn mind. Um, the second one was Ember uh, vendors in the entirety of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, 
and it's like several hundred megabytes or whatever. The third was Guy Fieri appearing in the source code of Babel. And the screenshot for it, and the, you know, I'll try not to splinter off too much, but the screenshot was like literally it's my text editor. And then I took a picture of Guy Fieri, not like text, like actually a picture. The actual and picture. I just put that in my editor. <laughs> it's like exports that guy equals and there's a picture which doesn't make any sense again we could have an entire podcast about how editors have not improved much since the 70s text editing is a disaster but anyway uh you cannot put pictures in, in your source code without plugins so this didn't make any sense at all nevertheless um a lot of people found it funny a lot of people thought it was very stupid fine again i don't really care about them a lot of people thought it was real yep which doesn't make any goddamn sense. Because like, <laughs> you put typos in there everywhere and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a whole thing. There's like hidden jokes in there, yeah. links that go to the wrong thing. Um, I have a screenshot of me searching for glitter instead of glimmer on mm-hmm. GitHub and getting zero results. And I say, like, I've never even heard of this glimmer thing. Uh, what is the spyware? And then everyone starts flaming you going, oh my God, you're so stupid. You search for glitter. And it's like a honeypot, right? Like you get a honeypot yeah. for these snarky people. And um, I just love that, man. I love that stuff. It just gets me going because you're like making a fool out of them. You're making a public that like you were so rude to me. Here, I'm going to show the world how rude to me you are. And um, yeah, a lot of people like read through the entire thing and found it sincerely which is sad for when it's a non-English speaker because I don't want to make fun of them. Mm. I don't want to make fun of anyone that like didn't get the joke because they didn't understand my writing. Um, right. You know, but there are people that are English speakers that are like VP of engineering at so-and-so. They're like, wow, definitely never using Babel again. And I'm like, okay, wait, <laughs> hold on. Step, pump the brakes a little bit. And no one said that, but people did say like, wow, this is crazy. You could tell they didn't finish it. Or I don't even know. I t- it doesn't make any sense. I don't know if you remember it, but you know how on GitHub you can have wiki pages? Yes, um, and I don't know how many projects use that that much. We didn't, I guess. And someone made and and I think by default anyone can edit them. So someone made like a new wiki page, and I don't know how you would find this. I just I guess I saw it in my notifications, and it was it, it said like, yeah, I found out about the node mod or guy theory, and like I'm gonna tell everyone in Silicon Valley not to use Babel or something funny <laughs> like that. <laughs> they get the word out there or something. It was real. You think it was real? Like they really meant it. I think so. I don't know why you would do that. Terrifying. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, it's it's always fun when you literally can't tell. Like that's the third option is like one is these people are in on the joke. The the second is people don't get the joke. And the third is like you do, you still don't know. And that's the best. You have right. people that go to great lengths and write these detailed responses that don't know. Uh, like I said, the best is when you honeypot people. You know, you get them. Like I have an example in there of so Glimmer is... I think I even made up the number. I said it's 100, 180 megabytes. Hmm. And I said, if the entirety of recorded human history could fit into a single megabyte, then this node module would be 180 times the size of recorded human history, which doesn't make any sense. You can't just like define what a megabyte is and hmm. then use that as an example right. uh, that I believe is called a straw man fallacy. But nevertheless, people are like, oh, is this guy serious? The entirety of human history is way more than a megabyte. And it's like, no, obviously I'm not serious, but they didn't get that. I, I don't know. Again, yeah. native speakers and they, you know, still whatever. It's bizarre. Though. I like the command line usage. I forgot what it was, but. Oh, I did. I tried to find the file size and file size, I yeah. uh, entered it incorrectly about four times in a row. Yeah, that's real, though. That's why it's funny. 
So it'll say like find length command not found. So I have that, you know, usually you don't see code examples with errors in them. So I thought that was a fun bit. Yeah. yeah there's a couple little pieces of treasure in there. I just, again, it's one of those things you have fun writing it. Um, I made myself laugh doing it and uh, I don't know. I need to laugh. So um, yeah, but it's uh no, it was yeah, good. It, and it, it created like so many side things. Like, I think, you know, when something's good, when like, remember we found out like a few years later, I think I messaged you that the Britannica thing, like someone actually. <laughs> someone used Lerna to like made a Britannica module and it was like real. I don't know how they even built it, uh, but they got all the terms and then mm-hmm. wrote a script, I guess. Gen- I, it was bizarre. And they had a package for every letter too. So it's like Britannica <laughs> A, B, C, D, and they all link to each other. It's just like this crazy Frankenstein spider web. Yeah, of like dependencies. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful commentary. It's funny when people, you know, again, I can can talk about this for hours, but people sort of provide a commentary for like, why did I do it? I did it because it was really funny and stupid. But a lot of people are like, wow, look at this amazing commentary on how Mm. The sad state of node modules was absolutely not what I wrote. Again, it's not my decision how people read it, but it was funny that people have to prescribe like a meaning to an absolute piece of nonsense garbage that means nothing. It only exists to make you laugh. It only exists to trap people that are going to be snarky and don't finish blog posts and and then they have an opinion on it, right? That's the only reasons it exists. But people are like, look at this uh, this glaring commentary on how how bad Babel's node modules are, and it's like that's literally not at all what I said. But whatever, you know, go for it. People always just pick whatever meaning they want. It is funny how far it's how far it's gone. It's also I feel like the I don't know this might just be me. I like the public perception of Guy Fieri has also gotten a lot more positive <laughs> since I read it. Like he's like really cool now. Like people yeah. like him. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff for COVID for restaurant workers. He did a lot of stuff for the wildfires over the summer. He's always been a cool guy. I've always been a big fan of Dire Snarves and Dives. That's why I included him. Fun piece of trivia. It was originally Jeff Goldblum. And I had a picture of Jeff Goldblum in there. And I had like exports.jeff equals. But I didn't think it was as funny as Guy Fieri. Wow. Um, but yeah, it could have been Jeff Goldblum. I also had a fourth example of I was going to do something with React. But I ended up deleting it and just doing three. But yeah, it was originally Jeff Goldblum. And then I, I changed Guy Fieri before I published. And it was way funnier. Um, wow. Guy Fieri is just a funny, I mean, he's a guy that wears like bowling shirts and has yellow spiked hair. It's hilarious. Yeah. He's a hilarious guy. So I told you about, they have a Fieri con or something. Stop. What in is New it? York. It, what like is everyone it? just dresses up as him. And then it's hilarious. I have goes to go. and goes to, I guess, like I around to different bars. Year. Yeah. <sighs> I've always wondered, I've, I think I've said this to you, I always wonder that like the blog post is fairly popular and I assume he has a publicist uh, that like is monitoring the news for Guy Fieri. Yeah. I think that's ever come up and they've been like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what is this? I don't know. I don't know if it's that popular enough where it's like Guy Fieri in the front page Valley Times is way more than whatever. Right, right. Yeah. But, oh yeah, and then later we... Another part of the story is that we ended up adding that code or the ASCII version of the picture, right, to yeah. the code base, and we merged it. And I think that was only like an hour after it happened. So then people <laughs> linked to it, and then so people thought it was real because you know the order is wrong. Um, we absolutely just ruined history. We rewrote history, yeah. Uh, and then I submitted a PR to remove it. Well, I asked you to basically. <laughs> yes, you did. And then. Uh, 
I mean, this is how we became, we became friends, right? Which yes. Was, um, it's a fun story. But yeah, it was, uh, it was hilarious because people are like, wait, is this real? Because look at this PR. And it's like, <laughs> That's you can't better. really tell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of just muddies the waters, which is what makes it so great. Um, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like to think that I have, I have very strong opinions on tech satire. Like I said, I, I already ripped on variety of people that do haha no modules big get 10,000 retweets i think it's stupid a lot of people have stolen my jokes and get 10,000 retweets that also sucks and then we talked about the harassment aspect like jen schiffer mm-hmm. talked about hassle being bad and the people put her address on twitter street field which is no one has ever done that to me not even close and i've done horrible shit on on the internet and uh i don't get any any sort of harassment no one has ever dm me creepy or anything like that the other sort of thing is i See, I'm losing my train of thought here, but I, I used to do a lot of the satire as sort of a a way to 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 laugh at no one's expense, like maybe at my expense because I, I kind of do self deprecating humor in the blog post a lot. But I'm not making fun of Babel, you know. I'm not making fun of Ember. I have a couple riffs in there of like Ember's library for very quickly rendering to do lists, mm-hmm. but that's not actually making fun of Ember. That's making fun of like to do MVC. Kind of, or not really to do MVC, but like people's perception of to do MVC. So I'm making fun of people that overprescribe to do MVC results. I made fun of the guy, you know, your Twitter handle's left pad. I made fun of the left pad guy a little bit. I called him a rouge developer instead of rogue. <laughs> and he actually did get upset. He did uh, send me a vaguely threatening Twitter message, but again, not a native speaker. So, you know, mm-mm. we had a chat about it. We're, we're cool now. We're all set. But anyway, at no one's expense, right? Like you, you make, you make people laugh. You don't have to make you don't have to make fun of someone to get laughs out of people. You can just make fun of everything without being like overly enlightened centrist. Like I'm not saying everything's bad. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Just like being silly. And I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's a fun way for, it's a cheap way to smile, right? Like you, you're smiling at no one's expense. No one's getting made fun of. So I'm into it, but I, I haven't done it as much. I think that the, it's so much easier to put out a funny tweet than it is to do a, a funny medium post and it reaches more people faster. Uh, mediums also changed a lot, man. These are like modals everywhere. It's hard to read them on your phone. I, that, that post is behind the paywall now though. And I have made a decent amount of money hmm. from just every month. Medium writes me a check and that pays for like my HBO go and my Netflix and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of nice over the years to just like yeah. have, I have to report all my taxes and stuff, but. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I could talk about it for hours, the responses and how we feel about it and all that, but I don't know. I'm not embarrassed by it. A lot of people, I would say I'm most well known for that, probably in in the scheme of the internet. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not like embarrassed. It's like fine, you know, it's cool. I'm proud of that work. It's it's all right. Yeah. In terms of the balance between making fun or or, or not wanting to make fun and like mocking people, um, like I was thinking, it kind of reminds me of Angus's uh, this the Babel song basically that he made. I think I've listened to it. Yeah, and so like in a way, you know, it's talking about how like Babel is compiling your code, and, and it's it's based on like Hallelujah, right? And so like, yes, you could I say it's like Babel. making yeah. fun of Babel, but in a way, you could say it's more. I mean, I just thought it was funny. So then. In the same way, like you could have thought that was like an insult or something, but I was like, oh, might as well just make it the song. I just go with it, you know? And I thought that was, that was cool. Yeah. And he yeah. just did that for fun too. So like, yeah. 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 You gotta, you gotta laugh. I don't, I don't know. I like my motto for life and the thing that trace everything down to is I just like to make people smile. 
And if that's 98.css or if it's a Guy Fieri post, that's what gets me going. It's just like making people smile and making myself smile, really. I'm a deeply, uh, deeply sad individual sometimes. So, you know, if I can make <laughs> myself smile, that's also pretty good, too. And yeah, I don't take myself too seriously. I don't, I don't see the value in it. And then, you know, be nice to people. That's it. That's how I live my life. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a good place to, to end, actually. To end on a, uh, on a lofty, uh, high horse philosophical point. Yeah. I think that, that covers everything on my mind. Thanks so much for the chat and yeah, asking for joining. questions. Yeah, like I said, anyone here, you're welcome to read my blog, thatjdanisso.cool. You can also find me, jdan, on everything. GitHub, Twitter, jdan. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on SoundCloud. I don't think I have either of those, but go ahead and do it. Oh, donate to Able Gamers, my favorite charity, ablegamers.com, please. Thank you. That's my pitch, and I'm sticking with it. Awesome. Thank you, Henry. Thanks for listening. Check out our website, maintainersanonymous.com, for show notes and transcripts. If you have any feedback, ideas, or guest suggestions, you can reach me on Twitter at left underscore pat. If you'd like to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash henryzoo.